so what happens when you dwell in possibility? That's a quote from Emily Dickinson, by the way. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Terry Summers Podcast. So I have these two friends that are like super cool and just decided that they wanted to live in Panama. And that's where they are living now. They've been living there for three months. I know Susan. She's an actress and she's one of the first people that I met when I came to Arizona. And she immediately made her home in my heart. She's like extended family to me. And it's really odd because we haven't done that much together professionally, but we just are in each other's worlds. And it has felt like I have always known her and that we have continued to work together over and over again. There's some common bond there. And we will explore that a little bit in our conversation. But let me just say, they've gotten under my skin, these two. Susan's husband, Scott, and herself decided they wanted to spend the rest of their days, at least as the plan is now, underneath, excuse me, underneath a coconut tree. And that is exactly what they're doing, in so many words. I wanted to know what is the process when you live out your dreams like that. So please buckle buckle down and get ready to hear an amazing story along with great conversation with my friends, Susan and Scott. So... This is a day that uh, I have kind of been thinking of for a while, and I welcome you two to my podcast. I kind of think it's super weird that you're like where you are in the best way ever, but as I was sharing with the audience just before you came on, you guys just did something that intrigued me so much. Tell me what you did. Well... It started about a year ago when my boyfriend of 50 years here, (laughs) my husband, Scott, came and said, um, you know, I don't want to retire in the desert. We were about to look at some land in the desert. He said, I want to be by the uh, ocean again, by the water. So we started researching other countries with a coastline. I I think. I think what I really said is I want to be by the beach under a coconut tree. Oh, yeah. He wanted a coconut tree. (laughs) So wait, let me say this. I get a message from your bride the other day. And she goes, actually, I if I I kind of vaguely remember what it said. Actually, right now I am drinking coconut milk out of a. Was it just a mug or was it a coconut mug? And you said, and I'm looking out at the and I was like, what? Who does this? I mean, like, this is like a movie that you guys are living out. Let me just back up and clarify a little bit. I, I, I will have made this clear to the audience to some degree, but you and I met, first of all, I woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't get back to sleep. And I was really, and this is my, I promise this is the truth. I was so excited <laughs> to get to have this chance with you guys today. So I was laying in bed and kind of, you know, reminiscing and going back in my mind and you and I touched base on this, Susan, that. We haven't done that much together theatrically, but yet you are iconic to me here in the Valley as an actress. I knew and heard of you when I first uh, came here. We did have an opportunity through a wonderful connection to Alan Pruitt and a lovely, lovely yes. 
lovely company, the cookie company. And I want, and as I would late in bed this morning, I thought, I wonder also if besides the fact that you were lovely and our energies connected and you were forever imprinted in my heart, I also wonder if the kind of work we were doing also uh, found its way into the deep crevices of our soul that I feel like I told my girlfriend this. I feel like you're like um, like a relative. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. kind of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you've always been extended family to me. In fact, I remember decades ago at Film Producers Warehouse. Yes. Now we're tripping backwards. Right. You and I sat in a commercial audition of some sort. And we were only doing this room. And I remember we had this huge conversation. Yeah. Um, and I think it was about the time we were adopting Howard. So it had to be about 30 years ago. Oh, my goodness. It, or a little before we were adopting, quite honestly. No, no, no. I mean, that and was it's all the right. Same thing. It's the same thing for me. Uh, it's a mutual admiration society, Terry, because uh, you, and I think the thing that ties us together a lot is the fact that our brand of comedy is so similar. True. We're kind of synonyms of comedy, you know, the For way sure. we physicalize and do things. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And it was quite honestly, so wonderful for both of us that Alan could write for both of us. Right. You know, for and, sure. and, and, place. And, uh, and just some memories. I mean, we'll have to get you and, and he, Alan and myself on a podcast to go down that road again. He's been as a guest. Oh God, but, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, and then I want, I don't want to interrupt what Scott was saying because he he made a very yeah, yeah. definite declaration about where he wanted to be, and I kind of feel like that is something that's a life lesson. Um, you know, just the simplicity of what you said. I want to, you know, retire under a tree and the, you know, with a drink in my hand, blah blah. But uh, when I started seeing hubbub from you on social media, and this is also the truth, I, I kind of just denied it in my head. I thought, oh, they're just saying that, you know, like, oh, they're just, is, what, what, are they, what are they talking about? Like, are, and I felt, and I told my girlfriend this this morning, I kind of started feeling sad, like, are they for real? Um, and not that I even see you regularly, you know what I mean? But I mean, it felt like... Wait, they're leaving me? I mean, it was a little bit of that dramatic response. But <clears throat> then I started really paying attention and you were really on a trek to go. And then you've been, you took this leap, but we'll get there to the leap. Yeah, yeah, we'll get what? to that leap. Right. The precursor but, was very, uh, we had to lay a lot of groundwork for this. Uh, unbelievably. So when you made the decision you wanted to be under a tree, Scott, um, right. what, 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 I mean, that is so beautiful. Um, but what, literally, but what did, what, what happened from there? Well, it was a coconut tree specifically, not just a tree. Um, and so we thought, well, you know, there's California has beaches and palm trees, but I have no desire whatsoever to uh, live in California, I even no, not uh, visiting there. Um, and so we looked at uh, Florida, which it was a place we both uh, spent a lot of time in our uh, early life. We were actually were married in Florida, uh, we went to the same college. Um, and there were wonderful beaches there as well. 
But we looked at, of course, the cost of living, how far our retirement would go. And we said, you know, you know we could do it, but it's gonna be, uh, you know, we're gonna be living um, uh, not particularly very well. Uh, and so we started looking, um, I, I did some online searches about expats, uh, expatriates, uh, people not from the United States, but Canada, Europe. South um, Africa, South Africa. Africa. Everywhere. And, and everywhere. And so we spent, a, a, you know, many, many, many months looking at different uh, kinds of places, um, hooked up with some organizations uh, that provided information, uh, some of which were um, actually provide misinformation. And um, so we looked at Portugal uh, right. as a possibility. I, my ex-office mate, um, uh, spent a lot of time in Portugal after he retired. Uh, so that was an option. We uh, looked at uh, Belize, uh, Costa, Rica. Costa Rica. Everybody looks at Costa Rica. Ecuador, Mexico, we kind of said no. Yeah, Mexico. And um, one of my old, old and best friends years ago said something about, hey, we should move to Panama. You know, you can get a, go live on an island there. And it was just, it was in the back of my mind, and I never thought I thought Panama was this you know place where they had drug runners and <laughs> and you know uh, coups and you know these kinds of things going on, uh, and didn't really know much about it. Well, remember every time there's a movie that we've seen lately or a novel, right. and then something goes really wrong, and really you know with um, uh, spies and CIA and all this right. other stuff. They go to Panama. I don't know why. I mean, we're pretty laid back here. <laughs> and so we stumbled upon this one company. Uh, uh, it's called Panama Relocation Tours. And um, started looking at a lot of their videos, which you, you can see on, on, on YouTube. Um, and then she also had the service where she Jackie. takes people on a tour. Uh, Jackie Lang uh, takes people on a tour bus, their own tour bus. And they tour the country, so people get a sense of what you know, what the different parts of the country are like, what it looks, uh, you know, what the temperature is like, what the uh, there's geography a lot of diversity like. here, believe it or not. You got mountains right. and cooler temperatures and everything else. You know, and people and the crime and everything else, and with everything you know over this period of many many months that we looked at things, Panama just rising to the top as being you know. Uh, probably the best place that, that we could do this. I, I remember when he came to me with this idea, every time he came to me with a new country <laughs> or hemisphere or whatever, <laughs> I said, okay, I've got, I'll be back with you in five. I have three priorities. Can I take my dog? Uh, if not, have a good next 50 years, babe, because <laughs> not leave your dog. Um, what was the healthcare like? Panama City's uh, big hospital is a Johns Hopkins affiliate. So I ticked that off. Yep, dog. Yep, hospital. Um, we at the time thought we were going to be living a couple of hours by car south. Well, yeah. whatever it is beneath Panama City. Um, and the other thing was crime. And I, I, I looked at him. I said, you know what? There is less crime in Panama than there is three miles from where we live in Arizona. Wow. And, and it's quite, mostly, you know, just... Petty theft kinds of things. There's not a lot of violent crime. No. Um, and what there is, it's usually close to the borders of Costa Rica or Colombia, 
and has much more to do with you know drug cartels and things like that. It's people trying to cross borders with drugs. So uh, we're not anywhere near that. And most expats don't live you know right right on those borders anyway. Uh, but it just had so many no hurricanes. Yeah, no hurricanes. No we're, hurricanes. We're below the hurricane oh, serious? Um, God knows Florida has those. Yeah. We were crying yeah. one years ago, and one's enough. Yeah, we've been several hurricanes in Florida. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they use the U.S. dollar, uh, so there's no currency problems. Um, if something happened in the U.S. dollar slash economy tank, Panama just switches to another currency. Oh, it's seriously? Pretty, yeah. 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 Yeah, they're not bound. Some countries are bound. Yeah, they use bound. the U.S. dollar, and they're they're tied in with it. Uh, but Panama, you know, made a decision not to do that. Um, it's so, a uh, their their economic growth is is pretty phenomenal. Um, they've got a, a very steady high income from the Panama Canal. Um, As know, a country, yeah, and, of course, yeah. Um, and basically, well, they they own it now. They run sure. it, and. Uh, and then they have uh, mining, they have, and they're a huge financial center. Um, you look at pictures of Panama City and, you know, you could be looking at Miami, you could be looking at, uh, New you know, York. yeah, parts of New York or even Chicago, because all the skyline and all the skyscrapers and everything else. So you have, you have that component. Um, a lot of people, you know, work in the financial industry as well. And, you know, so, so we looked at that and it just seemed to be like, wow, there are more and more good things here, but you know, we've got to go visit. Yeah, because we did not want to live in, in an urban situation at yeah. all. Okay. We wanted to, well, essentially be, you know, beach bums. Yeah, be right. beach. Yeah, we, we've been together a long time. We were married, uh, what, 17 years before we even adopted our child. So it, if you look backwards, we've we had one life together. We had our life raising our child. She's ripping it up in LA. Launched, or, yeah. You know, she launched like, yeah, like rocket. Yeah. Um, and you know what are we gonna do now? What's what's next? And, and I, I could continue working, and I actually, you know, before we started thinking about this, I thought, well, I'll just keep working, you know. And, and, I dropped because, whoops, our internet is unstable. So no, no, you can't right. hear us. Yeah, let us know. So far, us. as far as I can tell, we're good. But can you just let us know what you do or did for a living, Scott? I was yes, I well, I was trained as a, a psychologist, licensed psychologist, and then I specialized in uh, neuropsychology uh, and addictions. And because of those uh, specialty areas, I started getting a lot of calls from uh, the legal system, uh, you know, attorneys and prosecutors uh, to do evaluations and things like that. And so uh, I really became a forensic psychologist for most of the latter part of my career. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that factor. How come I didn't know right. that? <laughs> and who was your office manager? I can't. Yeah, someone I had someone, someone closely someone you sleep with. <laughs> you devil yeah, we have, you. We have, we have always though enjoyed each other's company. And even before we were married, we still work together. There are a lot of couples that can't work together. And then there are a lot of couples that can't retire together. Right. Who have nothing right. in common. Wow. And 
you know, we have both, we both fed each other's interests anyway. Right. I mean, we were mountain climbers. We used to chase hot air balloons. You were a hangar pilot. I was an equestrian. We did a lot of different things. And so it wasn't, retirement didn't mean slow down. I mean, slow down work, right. but right. pick up on the things you're interested in doing or right. pursuing. Because he's got, what have you got, four novels out there already? Right. He's right. a writer. Yeah, and I track that a little bit too. Can you just touch on that for a moment? Because you can write from anywhere. Is that something you'll continue to do? Can you just tell us yeah. a little bit about your novels? Yes. Yeah, so, well, um, I wrote a series, uh, series of books. Uh, it's a Lucas Forge uh, novel series. And the, the character happens to be a forensic psychologist, but <laughs> but then he, he moved into uh, spec ops, you know, special operations, uh, covert kinds of things. And uh, he has a, a team of uh, special uh, special ops people that work with him, and uh, he ends up down in uh, Argentina, where I spent some time of my life. And uh, um, by the way, some time in his life means training for a year with a mountain climbing team to scale the highest peak in the Western Hemisphere. So you guys are like this this extraordinary. <laughs> Freaky, beautiful, weird, interesting couple that I just need to do an ongoing series on. This is crazy. Well, it was like being married to Indiana Jones, quite honestly. It, and now he has his Indiana Jones hat, which I'm sure you've seen on Facebook. And I think, yeah, that's that's Indiana Jones in retirement. So well, I really, really mean this. I... Adventure novels. And um, there's a little bit of a sci-fi uh, twist to it, something like a little, little thriller. Yeah, a little thriller, supernatural. So before stuff. we before we move on from this podcast, and I really would love to have you back. I think it would be sure. super really fun to it. track you guys and hear more about what you're both doing. But I want to make sure I get the names and and links. Is it something we we can let our audience know and per, to purchase on right. Amazon or, or or what have you? Oh yeah, you can, yeah, they're a paperback and Kindle. Uh, versions of it. Um, actually, one of them I also had done as an audio book uh, as well. Uh, so it's uh, under my name, Scott Sindelar. And um, the, the, the the first part of the title of each of the books is uh, The Connection. So there's, there's the Mendoza Connection, uh, which was the first one. Um, uh, the Pinacate connection, which may be a word that many people aren't familiar with, but Pinacate is a huge uh, volcano Mexico, near Rocky Point. Okay. And when when it blew up, it was one of the world's largest volcanic events uh, that occurred uh, on Earth. And if you look at an overhead map of a sky map or something, you'll see that north of Pinacate, everything is, is was like pretty much leveled. It used to be a, a forest. Um, and so Pinacate enters into it. Um, uh, the, uh, what's, I can't remember the second one. <laughs> I can't right. believe this. Okay. Um, so we got the Mendoza connection, the, uh, oh, the Genesis connection. Genesis connection. And then it's actually a prequel. And then the, the newest one is the Brujo connection. Because uh, the Brujo is, is a sort of um, a, a, a shaman ah and so the, the part of that supernatural sci-fi ah. stuff was there's a, a there's a shamanistic uh, uh thing that's going on in the background of these stories uh, 
uh, the, the four books in the series. And I figured my next one was probably going to be the Panama Connection. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> right that would lead right in. And, <laughs> and but both of you are writers because Susan, you're a playwright and have many yes, things and, you know, and also you children's books. Yes, I did write one children's book. Um, uh, Entitled? Rumble Bear. It's for the youngsters. He also wrote a children's book for the older youngsters. So we, he's dabbled in both. Uh, I've got about, I think, 10 or more original scripts for stage, short plays and one acts. In fact, I guess I can say this now. Yeah. Four of my plays are going to be produced in March in Phoenix by directing students for their graduation, graduating projects, I oh should say, gosh, which is really what I, you know, the funny thing is ultimately I wanted a whole collection of plays that I wrote that I would someday publish in anthology form for university theater students. Okay. Any theater, student, theater right. students in training. And right. the fact that that's happening and I'm not even published is like, well, hey, <laughs> that works for me. That is so, so I'm delighted. Cool. I'm delighted. This is the second year university students over at GCC have used some of my work and they're doing so much of it. And I think one of the plays will have its premiere there. So I'm very excited about that. I know. And so I I can see you guys underneath this proverbial coconut tree with drinks in your hand and writing, but have you how has the transition been? First of all, I'm super impressed that there's even organizations that can help acclimate you to an area just by the knowledge that you shared, Scott, like that. I didn't right. have any idea there was such a thing. But once you made the visit, uh, did they did, was this still a group of people that you connected with when you were there that they kind of guided you beyond that? Or were y'all sort of on your own? Well, what, what we did um, the first time instead, we came, the first time we came, instead of going on one of Jackie's tours, because it was you know COVID oh, yeah, and everything else was going on. Um, but she also has a list of recommended tour guides for different areas of the country. And so we ended up hiring uh, two different tour guides. We we thought originally we wanted to live on the Pacific side. Uh, for those of people like myself who are somewhat geographically challenged, um, Panama runs east and west. So if you look at, at a map, you'll see that you know, you've got South America down below. Okay. Uh, Colombia is the last northernmost uh, country there. But then it, this isthmus of Panama goes west. Um, before then, again, turning north into Central America. Okay. So we have two, two. Uh, we, it's no, between two oceans, the Pacific yeah. Ocean and the Caribbean. Yeah. And so we thought we wanted to live on the Pacific side, close to, um, you know, maybe Panama City, close to, you know, large groups of expats, um, which would have been the Coronado area, San Carlos. Gorgona. Gorgona. Yeah. Um, and it was a dry arc. I kept thinking, oh, I've been in Arizona. Maybe we should choose the dry arc out of the gate initially because of allergies and maybe that right. would be, you know. And um, so we had, who do we have? We had Scott Knudsen right. and his wife, Kat Mandel, and they were phenomenal in those areas we wanted to look at. We saw everything you could imagine from a little house, half a block from the water to these amazing condominiums on the water and things like that. But, you know, we have a 64 pound dog and I wasn't going up and down elevators with a right. dog four times a day. 
right. wasn't my idea right. of a good time. And quite honestly, um, you know, we weren't sure. And then we jumped on the barefoot tour with Kevin O'Brien. Right. We spent about three or four days in the dry arc. And then we spent the rest of the 10 days with him touring high points all throughout the country. Oh, wow. So we went a lot of different places along mm -hmm. coastlines up into the mountains. And when we were finally finished, and believe me, it's all glorious. Um, by the time we were finished, he said, well, the driver's just going to take you over the continental divide to the Caribbean side and let you just hang out for a day and a half in Bocas del Toro until you get your flight home because they have a little airstrip on the island. That's where okay. we are on Isla okay. Colón. And so we thought, yeah, yeah, that'll be fine. And we don't have any more work to do. And we got there and we stood there and we went, oh my God, this is where we want to be. And we, we don't have, have time to look at it. And, and Abram, who is still one of our dear friends here, he is a realtor here. And he was the only one that took time for us last minute, met us for breakfast the first morning we were here, showed us a few things. And we made a plan with him that we were going to come back and meet with him just here. So we did that about a month or six weeks later or something like that. But what his wife. Oh, well, that's the second time we came. No, that was the first time, wasn't it? No, no, we didn't have time oh, we did. to tour okay. properties. Right. So we went home. In oh, the meantime, right. yes. we were remodeling a kitchen, trying to empty it, trying to put it for sale. There's a million things you gotta do. It takes forever. And um, so then we came back. And we got here and we saw all sorts of places yeah. which weren't quite on the beach. And his wife, who is a teacher, Danielle, called him while we were tooling around in a golf cart up and down this beach road and into the jungle and all this stuff. And she goes, oh, go over to the Gregory's and look at the pool house. And he went, okay. It had just gone somewhere online yeah, she as a short-term for... winter rental, but yeah. they really weren't doing a lot of tourist trade because of COVID. So they were thinking of renting it long-term. We got over here, we walked in, and I'm telling you, paradise fell in our laps. No way. It was phenomenal. And this is and called that's the pool house? It, and it, well, the place that we're staying in is called the pool the house. Pool house. So yeah, a, that's what I meant. There's a cul-de-sac like, here with three houses. Well, we call and it a cul-de-sac. It's a jungle cul-de-sac. The driveway, when we, when we go out of our house and turn left down the driveway, the, the, the ocean, the Caribbean ocean is, so what, maybe 100 meters down the driveway. Yeah. Oh, my the driveway. goodness. So I, I caught so the driveway. And... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, oh, don't forget what you're going to say. I caught something. when it, So when you came home from your first trip there, you said we went home, we were remodeling a kitchen and trying to get it up for sale. At what point did you, so if you were going to sell your home, had you already decided that, uh, oh, yeah. yes, you'd already made a decision. Okay. So it was, it oh, was your, our internet. I, yes, we made a decision. We were going to downsize anyway. We were going to downsize oh, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So even if we stayed in the States, we we're, you know, okay. we're going to downsize. Sure. I'm, I guess I'm just, um, I'm trying to get the idea for someone who is an well, overthinker like myself. At what point <laughs> did you jump off of the diving board? Like to say it's Panama. Christmas 2020, Must have been, that was yeah. the last Christmas we had in our house. 
And he said, I think I want to do this. I said, well, you got to give me one more Christmas with family. He goes, oh yeah, sure. And that was pretty short lived because um, yeah, suddenly we, we discovered that he did not have to wait as long as he thought he had to wait to retire. Got it. Um, you know, based on social security and all these other things. Right. So actually didn't wait till after your birthday that next, right. next October, no. he retired July 1st. Of, of 2021. Yeah. 2021. 2021. Right. So we were already in gear. Right. We shifted that gear and we went for it. Yeah. We just started wrapping it up. Um, and it's, it's wonderful. You know, my, I had a lot of antique furniture and things like that, that a lot of it lives in different friends' houses. So I can see it again. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a great yeah. thing investing yourself of 40 years worth of, oh my God. What a wait. What a oh wave, obviously. Oh, my God. I mean, we, no we, we had accumulated so much stuff. And I'd <laughs> been to, you know, three or four different business uh, businesses within within my profession and that that I just accumulated, you know, office furniture and cabinets and books and, and electronics and all of this stuff. And, you know, we had one office that all this all this stuff was stored in. Oh, and and we, we, we hated to go in there because oh, it was Oh, yeah, just, it was terrible. We just put so in a oppressing. lock on the outside of the door, locked it and put the key somewhere in a bathroom. We didn't want to go in there anymore. It was like a storeroom. But while I was cleaning my stuff out there, you'll appreciate this, I found like 35 years of, um, what was the old newsletter? AF, TNT, AF, Oh, you know, with film producers warehouse. And oh, yeah, yeah, actors yeah, and agents right. Good oh, my gosh, what a time capsule. I found so many boxes of things that we'd all done. I forgot what we'd done. It was amazing. So one of the hardest parts of the transition was actually divesting ourselves of, of all this right. stuff. stuff. Right. I was going to um, ask, what were the yeah. three, if you could give me the three most challenging things um, and I'm sure there's more than three, but the, the three furniture, most... no, the three most challenging things about making, you know, if you have, you have... and then, then I would like to hear of the three most rewarding things thus far. I know you're just getting into your journey, but the... okay. Yeah. Are y'all there? Are you there? Yeah, 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 yeah. we're here, we're listening. Yeah, yes, okay. we're yeah. if you just want to touch a page on that. Please, uh, hopefully you can hear us. Yeah, I can now, I can. And remember, I'm just reminding the audience that, that we're communicating uh, across, uh, you know, oceans and lands. Um, but uh, what what are some of, uh, you know, a couple <laughs> countries of the oceans um, challenging parts about making this decision or move or whatever you'd like to share on a personal level, on a uh, practical level, whatever. And then let's also hear what has been so rewarding so far. And it might be different for the two of us. I'll tell you a little bit about mine. And, you know, one of it was just divesting our, uh, of all of the stuff I had accumulated. Oh, um, so I had hard. thousands of books. Um, and, you know, I had visions of having a house, you know, with this huge library with all my books. And I started looking at this stuff and I said, I'm not going to really pick up any of these things, <laughs> you know, sit down on a couch and read them. And a lot of them were textbooks and, and that type of thing. And I found a psychologist, a younger psychologist, 
moved into a condo in Phoenix and he had floor to ceiling bookshelves. Yeah. And I said, you know, do you want, do you want these books? He said, I will take every book, every magazine, anything that you have, even great. if it's not related to psychology, I want it all. And so we had boxes and boxes. I think probably about 50 boxes. At, at, least. at least. He made three or four trips. Yeah. And the funny thing was after the first trip he made, I said, gosh, I just discovered a lot of mountaineering and hiking books and Fly, I'll take everything. I said, How do you feel about cookbooks? He took cook, yeah, he took everything because he had a little nephew that visited him, could climb the ladder, which slid along the wall. <laughs> and every time this child visited, he could pick a book, go home, and next time he could come back, return, and get another one. So, we, you know, it's it's really, and, and it was a little fortunate too in my business. Uh, although I did mostly did a lot of counseling in my early years. Uh, but in the last 10 years or so, it was really more evaluations and then about eight years of doing veterans evaluations, which were an hour to an hour long. So not developing these attachments to patients worked out really well. Because it wasn't like I was having to tell, you know, 40, 50, 60 people that, you know, I'm retiring and, you know, trying to work through all of that. So, right. yeah. so that worked out well. So that, that was, for me, that was like a, one of the big ones. Um, the, the second one was um, that, you know, there were some challenges with respect to uh, figuring out the paperwork to be able to, to move here. Um, Panama offers what's called a pensionado visa, which is uh, basically it's a, it's a visa for people, men who are 60 years older, women who are 55 years or older. But if you're, if you're coming from another country, you have to approve a certain level of income guaranteed income, so like a government social pension. Security. So social security works. And so we met that criteria pretty well, but there was a lot of paperwork involved. We had to hire a Panamanian attorney to do, to do all that. Um, Fascinating. And we did end up shipping some articles uh, here, some clothing and a couple of my guitars, uh, an amplifier and, and some electronics and things. And we're getting a shipping company to do that was a bit of a challenge, but we found one that basically did door to door. It came to our garage and we had everything stacked up on a pallet and wrapped with, with uh, uh, plastic wrap. Shrink wrap. Shrink wrap, everything together. <laughs> and they picked it up at our, at our garage and they eventually delivered it right to our doorstep here. Right in here, yeah. Oh my amazing. goodness. So, it was called the Mexican Moving Company and they're phenomenal. Yeah. Mexico they're Moving Company. Mexico Moving Company, right. that's it. Yes, yeah. you're right. And then the, the third biggest challenge, which Susie and I share, was, oh. was getting the dog. Oh, my God. Um, getting the dog was scarier here. than our paperwork. Yeah. We had to have everything from birth certificates, marriage certificates, social security, FBI, FBI reports, fingerprints, background checks. You cannot come if you're a felon. There's no way they will let you in. Um, we had to get all those things gathered. Then we had to send them out to get them apostilled in different places around the country legally, but the dog, the dog, Panama is so strict that you have to use a USDA approved veterinarian. You have to have a certified health certificate that goes from them to the USDA Department of Agriculture here and back to the vet. Then it has to go to the nearest Panamanian consulate to be apostilled and stamped every which way and backwards and forwards. Um, and all of that can only happen 10 days before your dog boards the plane. Oh. And 
you know we had our plane reservations for over a month. They cannot tell you until 10 days prior to your departure whether they'll take your dog. <gasps> we had to have a certain sized crate. It was insane. But we found a guardian angel on earth in Los Angeles named Bill Stasek with uh, scpetsgo.com. He's incredible. And he said, well, where in Panama do you want to move? Because we were going to drive to L.A. So we didn't have to do connecting flights with the big dog because that's that's another nightmare. That's another nightmare we didn't even share. And domestic airlines weren't taking. Oh big no, animals. we had yeah. to fly Copa Airlines. Yeah. yeah, the Panamanian International Airlines, which is fabulous. And um, I said, "Well, we're moving to Panama. We're moving to Bocas del Toro." And he says, "I've got a house in Bocas." Uh uh-uh. I said, "No, where?" <laughs> and he said, "Well, where are you?" I said, "Well, we're just three minutes walk." up the beach from Scully's. It's a restaurant bar on the beach that we were just at breakfast today with the dog. Um, and he goes, oh, neighbors. <laughs> oh I don't know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was insane. And he was fabulous. And we went to LA and stayed for a few days in a pet friendly hotel near LAX because we were visiting our daughter and her fiance for a few days before we left. But, but the dog, I lost sleep over that for literally weeks and months. Yeah. For some unknown reason, when the vet sent electronically the health certificate to the USDA, they returned it in 24 hours. They called me and they said, we don't believe this. It's never taken more than three or less than three or four days. And we knew once we got it back, we only had a few days before the weekend to get it sent to Long Beach, Florida and back to California. Oh, Lord. I mean, Florida, Long yeah. Beach, California. Yeah, and back. Okay. Is there. Yeah, yeah it's in, it was insane, but everything worked out and we got copies and Will was in LA. He could drive to that consulate if we had to have him pick up a hard copy. He couldn't get it back. But there, um, the consulate's amazing. If you put that on the outside of the envelope, that it's a pet and it's time sensitive, they get it to you in record time. Mm. And you know what? It, that extends right to this country and everything here. If I call my doctor this morning and go, God, I think I have an idea. And they say, can you come now? And if you can't come now, just come at one o'clock. You know, I've called in desperate straits in the States being told, I'm sorry, the doctor doesn't have any openings for three weeks. Yeah, You are treated in a small community so differently than you are. Even in, you know, a lot of our acting community doesn't even think Phoenix is a big city, you know, yeah. all that. But and, and there's the, a huge the, difference. The price of the medical care is so cheap. We don't, oh we don't even have um, An insurance medical insurance policy. policy. We're, you know, thinking about it. But you had like a full abdominal ultrasound and everything else. And what was it? Oh, I went to a private hospital. Right. It was what, $90? $96 because <laughs> I'm old. That the ultrasound was ninety six because I'm old, and the I loved getting the thing from the God. We're telling people about medical things. We're old farts talking about health and weather. Well, you it's know, but I, I would think that making that move—that's one thing that people, no matter their age bracket, would wonder. Right. How, what is right. because I mean, let's face it—we aren't promised that tomorrow will bring us health. So you know that is yeah. uh, that is a major concern. But I when. When I see your it's a major concern. And go ahead. But not to not to put too much over gloss on everything. I mean, we're still in a third 
grocery. We, you know, I can say to people glibly, never let it be said that you cannot retire to a tropical island in the Caribbean in the jungle with beach on and live on your city. Because you can't. But it's still a third world country. If anything drastic happens, you get to the mainland. We yeah. don't have everything available here. For instance, right. so I had to go to the mainland for that ultrasound. I had to go to that mainland for a, uh, a CT scan, you know, things like that. And because um, we're on an island, you have to take a water taxi. A water taxi for 40 minutes <laughs> and, then, and, and then get transportation to whatever city you're going to. But there are probably like 50, 60, 70 water taxis. It's they go really all easy. over the different islands. And yeah. I, I go to the island next next door sometimes for different things and it costs me a dollar. On a water taxi. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And I know that um, when, when I see your photographs, it really does look um, fantasy island-ish. I mean, it just has right, like, yeah. I, I can't, I can't quite, I'm just going to be transparent. I can't quite get my mind around the fact that you made this happen. And I think it's amazing. And I, 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 before we go, I just want to hear what your thoughts are ultimately and what you've done for yourselves in making this move the the beauties of it the highlight the the carrot dangled for anyone who might be listening and contemplating um this kind of retirement what is the big fat take-homes from this you know the big fat take-home is simplify your life if you want to enjoy it i'm i'm so serious about that because I was always the archivist in our families. I always had everything everybody didn't really want to keep, but they didn't want to divest yourself, feel unfettered, you know, go live wow. your next life, embrace your next adventure. It's an adventure. <laughs> Scott said yesterday, man, we've never been on vacation this long before. Wow. And this is actually our norm. Wow. And I, I just but have to can. say, in a very tiny house. And we have a very small little expat tribe here, and we've been embracing all of them. The little restaurant next to us, uh, Michael's from Brazil. Uh, I don't I don't know if Luana's from Brazil or from Panama, but he came up to us one day, and we'd only been here about a month, really. Yeah. Or, um, not even, yeah, about a month. And he said, what do you think if we have a big Christmas dinner? We'll close the restaurant. We'll do it outside. We'll have a closed WhatsApp you know, list, we'll all communicate with each other. It was a big potluck and it was fabulous. And we were, we were trying not to think about our first Christmas, A, without our daughter for the first right. time or any family and friends, because, you know, all the strays came to our house and uh, that's the way we were raised. Right. And um, it wasn't until after the fact, Michael came up to us. I mean, this is how special some of these people are. He said, you know, this never would have happened if it weren't for you two people. I said, what do you mean? He said, you started it. It's because you are so special to me. Oh, and, wow. You know. Yeah, the Panamanians in general are very friendly people. And um, the expats, yeah. we're all in the same yeah. boat. And yeah. we're all, it's a very supportive community. Yeah. If someone has an issue, you just go on. Like we have the Ponch community. We're on Playa Ponch. That's our beach, Ponch Beach. Okay. And we have our own little Facebook um, chain. Anybody needs anything, boom, 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 they're on there and it's solved. It's, wow. I it, lost my wallet. Oh, he lost his wallet. No, I, your phone. Oh, my phone. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You know, big iPhone and, and it, it fell out in a taxi or something. <clears throat> and uh, Joanne, our, our landlord, 
um, put what right away, put it on some of these Facebook pages, and I, I had it back in like three hours. Oh, yeah, Nicole found oh, it on a beach. The little boy picked it up. She oh. went home, she put the picture of it on the phone. He had it back in a matter of hours. Now, our daughter told us, Mom, forget it, it's already been wiped and sold. Well, maybe somewhere else. And in then, LA, and then four <laughs> yeah. days later, we're walking home, and I find a tourist wallet on the beach. Oh, All his yeah. money, his credit cards, his from the Netherlands. So I immediately, you know, we put his picture on that. Joanna put it up there. He was at our door with his girlfriend. Five hours later, he had his stuff. He would not have been able to board the plane to go home. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? All his ideas. Wow. So, you know, it, it's just, ha, huh, in some ways, it's just like a huge sigh of relief. I needed personally to get out of the United States. I wasn't always raised in the United States. I was done for a while. You know, and I know, the toxicity <laughs> levels right. can go, yeah. you know, and you can't get away from it. Right. And I'm here to tell you, you can. You don't have you that. You are here to tell us. There's no device of, you know, we're not all politically aligned <clears throat> in any way, shape, or form. No. Uh, and it doesn't matter. And that's wow. the point. It doesn't matter. We're all living together and we're in yeah. our own little community and it literally doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter your political leanings, none of that. And, uh, and it's, oh man, it's such a relief, you know? Well, I am overjoyed Somebody for you two in a way that I really can't even articulate because my mind still is getting it in Section you can't. You have to leave, Terry. You have to leave and visit somewhere for a week. Or, well, really, ten days to two weeks. Immerse yourself in another culture. Yeah. It'll take you days to decompress I from bet. your own culture. I bet. And and quite honestly, you don't even know that you don't even know the tension that lives between your bottom of your chin to the bottom of your feet. You just don't even know. I can only Until imagine. Until it's no longer there. Right. And, and he it, just it's said. It's a different, different mindset here. Because it's a different it's, mindset. Yeah. Because people are so relaxed that, you know, say you need something done, you have to hire somebody to do something. And he might say, well, I'll, I'll see you on Tuesday. Well, he doesn't show up on Tuesday. And then you run into him and say, well, what happened? He says, well, not this Tuesday. You know, All right, I didn't like, know you meant like, this Just a Tuesday. Fine. Some Tuesday I'll show Some up. Tuesday. You know, it's, it's still third world. We get scheduled power outages when they're going to work on stuff. Sometimes we get a couple of unscheduled ones, but that's because someone on the beach was working on a pole and they, he thought it wasn't going to work. In fact, anyone down the beach road, but it always comes back. It's, it's no big deal. You roll with it. It's just part of your life. Right. And I have to tell you, before I got here, Denise, <laughs> she had sent me a message when we were in the crazed frenzy of selling the house and everything and I couldn't remember it was Denise until two days ago she goes do you realize it was me who contacted you before you left the states to see if you wanted to start a community theater here in Bocas with four other people and me and I went oh my god so you know and it can happen in paradise yeah oh my goodness that's going to be the title of the podcast I think I've been wondering what to call it but I think I think my gut said they'll say something. And I think that's it. Anything can happen in paradise. You guys, I thank you so much. And I will, well, as, soon as, um, as soon as we get off of this, if you could let me know, Scott, what that 
maybe a website or something I can direct people to, and I'll put it in the notes section. You don't need to um, worry about it at this moment, but I'll put it in the notes section before uh, we air. But I am just so grateful, and I can't wait to visit with you more. And oh, we would love it. Yeah, this is you know, just, and we, we we love doing it because we want other people to have a happy life. Well, and that's you what know? I want to know. It works we can, so hard. Exactly. There's something so alluring about the the journey that you took, and if you're generous, like I know you are, to look over your shoulder and pass along some information, so that the next folks that make Absolutely. that trepidatious decision on some level would have they know that people have already gone before them but don't go anywhere i'm going to stop the recording here in a second but my love to both of you and i want to give you a a personal goodbye when we're not recording so hang on for just a second but thank you both so much hang on thank you bye everyone (laughs) isn't it crazy When you dwell in possibility, what is actually possible? I am so glad that Susan ended with that quote from Emily Dickinson. I was going to um, hunt and listen for something that was inspiring to title this because there's so many things that this episode could be called. But I tell you what, um, dwelling in possibility opens up the windows in our lives. I had to pause for a minute and think about that because that's what happens when we live in the realm of possibility and we consider what is possible. It really leaves us with limitless options as long as the will's there and the desire. Thank you so much, Scott and Susan for inspiring me today and for inspiring us all. I'm going to put money on it.